You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. Hi, folks, and welcome back. Uh, another great week. I hope you all liked listening to Seamus May last week. Corporate corruption. Yes, it has raised a few eyebrows and a few people are asking a few questions. And we will continue on. We will continue on this series as well. The week before that, we had a open panel discussion, a group of people talking about COVID and lockdown, the other side of the table. And there was a presenter there as well, which most of you will probably know, and that was Sarah. And Sarah is with me today. Sarah is a NLP, which she will tell you what NLP means in a minute. And we want to sort of look at, in this week's show, what NLP is how it is affecting us on a day-to-day basis, how our mainstream media and our government are using it to control us, um, to manipulate us, and to help us make their decisions for them. Sarah, how are you? Hi, Joe. I'm good, thanks. Wonderful to have you. We spoke many times, Sarah. Um, some of our listeners will know. I'm going to have to actually correct you. It's actually Sarah. Sarah, I apologise. See, <laughs> It's see? okay. It's a very common mistake. But if I don't do it early on, then yeah. I'm stuck with Sarah for some time. So no, it's yeah. actually Sarah. Well, you must be getting... Oh, I, I'm well used to it now. <laughs> Sarah, do you know, like when people are emailing me and they write Joe, as in J-O, it drives me absolutely bonkers. <laughs> Because J-O is the female spelling. It's the girls, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, I just cringe with that, you know, and uh, no, that's that's it. So tell me, what is NLP? Oh, goodness me. So this is a very tough question to answer because NLP is not one thing. A lot of people say, oh, someone's using NLP or that's NLP or I don't like NLP or NLP is this or NLP is that. NLP, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. It's been around since the mid-70s. And as I said, it's not one thing. It's actually a whole toolbox of techniques and strategies and uh, methods of helping people to think differently, to see the world differently, to feel differently and to behave differently based on a particular model of what it's called the NLP communication model. And essentially what that says is that every single person's experience of the world is completely unique and different. Because what we're actually experiencing, so all of the information that's coming through our senses, there's, there's so much going on. We can't pay attention to everything. So we do three main things. We delete most of what's going on. We're only paying attention to a very small amount of information, what we think is important and relevant. We distort the information. So we fill in the gaps. So when we're watching something or listening to something or in an experience, and we don't know everything in terms of from the other side. So why is someone behaving that way? Or, you know, what information is missing? Our brains actually then take what we've got, fill in the gaps, and then create our own perception and our own meaning. And we also generalize. So we tend to lump things together. So experiences, people, things, you know, whatever it is. But once we've been through something once, we use that as a frame of reference for future events, future situations, and we always refer back to that. But again, that's been deleted and distorted primarily at the beginning. So it's everything we're doing is actually based on incomplete information. But there's a sort of trick that our brains play on us in that we think everything we're experiencing is whole and complete. So we're all deleting, distorting, and generalizing completely differently. And how we do those is based on what we believe, our values, the experiences that we've had in life, um, you know, emotional baggage that we're carrying around with us. 
all kinds of our attitudes, you know, we have different ways, you know, anyone who's done a psychometric test will know that, you know, you're kind of, you come out and you're in this box and it's because, you know, what they're looking at is all the different ways that you actually see the world and you react to things. So that model helps to inform any NLP practitioner in terms of when you're listening to somebody and you're watching their behavior to understand that that's not complete either. So it's only whatever they're telling you, whatever way they're behaving is based on how they're deleting, distorting, and generalizing. It's not who they are. It's just the filters that they're using you know, on their lives. So NLP is based on that particular model. And then you have all these different techniques that actually help people to feel differently, to think differently, but no one can do anything actually to you. This is the thing that people think. think someone goes, oh, someone was using NLP on you. So actually the reality is it's a two-way, <laughs> it's a two-way stream. You can accept what's being said to you and what's being shown to you and what's being used around you or not. You can actually question it. Yeah, it is. It's about consent. Um, the best thing to do is just stand there and look like a dummy and say nothing <laughs> just in case the magic is is put on top of you. But yeah, it does boil down to, you know, it's person's belief systems and those belief systems then, and this is my belief system, is that you are indoctrinated with everything that's going on around you from a very early young age. And that's even from your parents who have been indoctrinated. And that's from, you know, what you've been taught in, in your schools, what you've been, you know, what you're watching on TV, what your your politicians are telling you, you know, what your, your local councillors, what everyone is. And that shapes then your belief system as well. And then... This is not a long term process. This is a slow burning manipulation, I would say, that, you know, that can be used. It has its good points and its bad points, like everything. Duality. Yeah, and I, I think one of the, the misconceptions is that, um, you know, NLP is is kind of something that can be used on its own. And the reality is, of course, that this is part of all of the strategies you know, that they're using. Um, and NLP, so linguistic is the middle name. Um, so language is very, very important, but it's also nonverbal communication as well. So, you know, signs, icons, colors, all those sorts of things, you know, really um, obviously make, up a, yeah. make yeah. up a huge amount of that. And the reality is, you know, it's like it's only a set of tools. It's, it's the intention behind the tools that, that's important. So it's quite shocking because actually, in fact, a lot of NLP trainers and master trainers have actually fallen for the propaganda as well, which is really, really interesting. Well, of course it would, because it's, you know, you can't be going out watching things all the time and staying in your conscious mind because we it's live. Exhausting. Yeah, it would be exhausting. So we live in our subconscious mind. You know, we drive down the road, we get our coffee, we get in our routines. If I was to live in a conscious mind totally. I would be focusing on within and the spirit within me as well to source. That's what, when I catch myself, that's what I do. But I know if I try to do that on 24 seven, I'd go insane. Probably we're, not actually insane. we're not actually designed to do that. And actually no. our conscious mind is very limited in terms of its, its uh, capacity and its duration. So we go from our short-term memory. I'm, I'm passionate about learning as well, by the way. So for me, I, I've become pretty obsessed for the last 20 years in terms of actually how we learn, what's the process, what does it mean, what is memory, you know, and I've, I've developed models along the way um, that have been very effective. But one of the things that um, a lot of people don't realize is actually we go from our short-term memory, which is right at the front of the brain, 
And that, that's about 40 to 50 bits of information per second with a duration of maybe 15 to 30 seconds maximum. So I call that the goldfish, actually. So the goldfish part of the brain, it's very temporary and it's very small. And then the unconscious mind, it can process 86 billion to the power of 10,000 bits per second, and the duration could be a lifetime. So we have a, a continuum and where our focus and attention actually can be. And, and most of what actually is going on at the unconscious level is completely removed from our conscious mind. We actually, we may never access it. Yeah, because if people understand that if you look at a child, let's say from the age of zero up to one, their brain and what they're picking up is a different frequency. And then I think it's from two to maybe four, they're picking up a different frequency and four to seven, they're picking up and then seven to 12 and so on. So a child at a very young age who's sitting down playing blocks, its mind is working at a different frequency. So its subconscious mind is picking up everything. You know, the people talking in the corner, the, the, the TV on, the dog barking, something going on out in the street. The subconscious mind is feeding that. It's loving it and it's picking it all up because it's working on a different frequency. But as we get older, those frequencies change. And that's where they say, you know, give me the child from zero to seven and I'll show you the man. Um, and then the change is then up to 13, 14. So NLP is only something that's been discovered in the last probably two decades or so or three decades. 70s, would it be early 70s? That's, it was uh, 70s, yeah. 70s, so we're, we're, coming yeah. Up to, we're coming up to nearly 50 years, actually. 50 but, years. but I think God, the other I, thing people don't realise... See, when I said that, I thought I was still 20. NLP <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually is an accumulation. It's actually a collection of the best techniques from elsewhere. Mm. So there's only a couple of things that are truly original, actually, to the field of NLP. But the NLP question is, what's the difference that makes the difference? So that's the question that they are. So the two main uh, developers, but there was a whole crew of them. It wasn't just two people, but uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. Which fell um, out. And, they and, fell out and yeah, they all seem to fall out at that level. It's very kind of very NLP, I think. One was for... for was it murder as well? Was yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, but they're still alive and they're, they're still training and they're still still, 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 still fighting. <laughs> doing that. Still fighting. But, they, but they were they were genius in terms of rather than just following kind of the herd, because um, at the time you know psychotherapy was really emerging as a as a field. Counseling was seen as something that everybody should go. You know, once a week you go and have your your session with your shrink, uh, and it was kind of a, a very a rapidly growing industry. And what they started to do was say, well, hang on a minute. There, are pe there seem to be these other people out there who are getting results very, very quickly. So instead of having to go and see someone for, you know, once a week for years and years and years, these particular people seem to be able to help their clients within, you know, maybe, you know, one, two, you know, handful of sessions. And, th and then their problems were completely gone. So their question was, well, what's the difference that's making the difference? What are they doing differently that actually gets these results so rapidly. So the basis actually of NLP is modeling and not modeling in a traditional sense. Modeling in a traditional sense would be to watch somebody and try to emulate what they do physically. Um, their modeling was much more internal. So it was asking the question, well, what are they doing inside their minds and with the combination of the external behaviors that's actually achieving those particular outcomes? So modeling would be, you know, you literally break every single step of that strategy down into the minutiae. And it takes a long time and it, it's it's hard work because you're having to, because most, again, things we do are unconscious. So you're having to get the person who's 
behaving in that way to completely almost like freeze frame it and then go through frame by frame. Okay, well, I, I do this, then I do this, and I, you know, and the step by step process. So everything we do is a strategy. So if you're doing something really, really well, but it becomes now it's unconscious. So you didn't know you were doing it well, making it conscious, stripping it back breaking it down and then teaching it to yourself and other people. That was actually what they did. And they found they could do that. So they modeled three main people. Uh, Milton Erickson was, was one of them. And he was the he's considered sort of the grandfather of hypnosis, uh, medical hypnosis. So he was a, a physician who then brought hypnosis actually into the medical world. And he was originally struck off and called a quack and everything else. And then, you know, eventually they realized actually it was a very, very powerful way of controlling the mind, of changing the mind, of making the mind, you know, focused on something else, um, following instructions in a particular way. You know, you're not even aware that you're doing it. Um, so they actually looked at him and his language patterns were very hypnotic. And that was kind of his, the way he yeah, was doing it. It's like we were using a form of it. We didn't know it was NLP when we were, we were selling in the 80s and 90s, you know, the, the training programs that we had. Um, yes, it kind of gave NLP a bad name, unfortunately, though, because it was it kind of did, did go. It was like, oh, well, it's manipulation. It's actually <laughs> get, show me someone who's not trying to who's not trying to influence someone else. Yeah, well, for ourselves, it wasn't really it wasn't NLP because no one had really heard about it. It was just a process of, you know, mirror imaging, using tonality um, really asking the right questions, watching the body language um, and then delivering you know, the wants and the needs or the, you know, what the person wanted as well. So it was just understanding what people really wanted and finding out what they wanted and then being able to give it back to them. And that's, uh, that's what it is. And that's really what NLP is maybe is slightly like as well. It's, you know, as you said, it's a two way street and there's so many different things that are needed to come into it for, for it to happen as well. So with NLP and with what's going on in Ireland at the moment with you know, lockdown and everybody signing up to whatever the government agree. No one, the one thing that which does my head in is I'm not concerned, you know, about COVID or I'm not really about, you know, who didn't get a vaccine or who got a vaccine, none of that. It was the control of people going along with everything without questioning. That's the one thing which I could not understand. And I've seen that the government has passed these rules, as I call them. And in those rules, there is acts in them that have nothing to do with a pandemic, you know, and they've been slid through. And what I can't understand is why no one questioned, why everybody just consented. And I believe that was because of propaganda and control. And what would... And that's why I brought you, I asked you on as well, was would NLP have been part of that manipulation and control? And and what would it have been to? Oh, abs- absolutely. The, the, the knowledge that you get from studying NLP is actually how to how to influence other people. Um, you know, from my point of view as a, as a coach or as a trainer, it's, it's, it's in a positive way. It's to help them access their inner resources using language patterns and using techniques, but you can do exactly the same thing from a negative point of view, which is tapping into people's deepest fears. And that's what I've seen. They've used language patterns, they've used phraseology. They have essentially tapped into, I would say the greatest fear, which is um, actual, so it's, it's social death. You know, what will other people think? Not being good enough, people rejecting you. 
Um, and I believe that that social death at an unconscious level equates physical death for a lot of people. So they are terrified of upsetting other people, of saying something that might go against, you know. So they, so the, the government has very cleverly used terms like anti-masker, anti-lockdown, anti-vax, you know. And the reality is, okay, so if you're anti-lockdown, well, what does that actually mean? It means you're pro-freedom. It means you're pro-choice. It means you're, you know, looking at an economy that works. You're looking at, you know, not preventing education from being uh, disrupted. You're helping families to function better. Um, so, but if, but it's very lazy. It's like using, and this is the generalization. This is the kind of hypnotic language patterns using these labels, and then people have filled in the gaps themselves. You know, an anti-masker. They're going well. If you're an anti-masker, that means you just don't care about anyone else. It's like, well, if actually, if you're an anti-masker, it's because you've looked at the science. You've actually looked at the evidence. You've looked to see does it actually um, do anything? No, it doesn't. Um, in actual fact, it does an awful lot of harm. And all of the evidence is there. You know, it's been there for forty years. They've studied masks. This is why we don't. Uh, we were never encouraged to wear masks before during flu season. You know, in the winter, and for them to bring them out in the summer when the case, when the the curve was flattened, you know, this flattened the curve. You know, it's like flattened the curve. Have you have you ever heard flattened the curve before March 2020? You know, this idea that if you if you stop people going into hospital, the hospitals won't be overwhelmed. It's like, well, what are the hospitals there for? You know, it's like protect the health service. It's like, but isn't the health service there to protect us? You know, so these they're they're very illogical, but they've captured people's. As I said, they've kind of hijacked people's uh, amygdalas. They've hijacked them. They've held them hostage and they've bombarded their amygdala, which is the, the main part of the brain that triggers the entire stress response. And they've kept it under pressure. And I call that part of the brain the meerkat. So if everyone can think about their own meerkat, which is their safety system. You know, the meerkat's there and it's watching and it's checking to see, are you OK? And we need it. We need to have a safety system. We would never have survived as a species without it. But what they've done is they've actually hijacked that and they've held it hostage and they have bombarded it with these messages, cosmetic, and they've ramped up the fit and then they've released it slightly. And people kind of go have a slight, oh, breathe. And it's like, I never want to go back there again. And then they ramp it up. And then, of course, it's never really gone right back down to zero. So they're building on a base of fear that's growing and growing yeah, it's and growing. Dropping, and growing. Um, it's giving people the worst thing that you can. It's the worst thing that you can give people is hope. Yes. Well, false hope. Yeah, it's false hope, you know, yeah. and 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 it's like, and people are completely stressed. They're absolutely exhausted. This is all by design. They have designed it, and they've kept people glued, you know, to the mainstream media services through fear because fear sells. You know, good news stories don't sell. Fear sells. People want to know: Am I safe? More than you know, um, uh, you know, is, am I in danger? What's what is the danger? You know, and if you look back, actually, over, you know, we're coming up to the 20th anniversary of 9/11. And the introduction of terror of terrorism as something that we're a war on terror. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Where is the terror? The terror is inside of us. The terror is not actually outside of us. The, the feelings enemy. of terror are inside of us. Yeah. It's an invisible enemy. And that that then, of course, the mind is playing tricks on, on you. You know, the, the individual is taking that on and going, you know, where could they be? And if I get on a plane and they don't, you know, make me take my shoes off and check and I have to only have a hundred, I mean, the hundred mil, you know, of liquid on a plane thinking, how does that even make sense? Where did that, these things are arbitrary. 
But everyone just goes, oh, well, if we've been asked to do it, somebody somewhere knows the answer. I don't need to know why. I'm just going to keep my head down and just you know, be an ostrich and just kind of get on with things until everything blows over. And it's the same with this. It's just wear a mask. It's just a mask. You know, and those, the language of, you know, to me, the very first phrase that really made me sit up and take notice was, we will never get back to normal without a vaccine. And if you break that sentence down from an NLP point of view, you have what are called universal quantifiers. So, and, and terms that, again, you would have to kind of fill in the gaps to go, well, what does that actually mean? You would have to do what's called chunking down in NLP. You have to get into the specifics. So never is a mighty big word. It's a universal quantifier. It's like everybody, everything, nobody, nothing, you know, always, never. So never get back to normal. So immediately people go, but I want to get back to normal. This is what everyone wants. Everyone wants, everyone wants to get back to something that, you know, we'll never get back to. And the question then, of course, is what is normal? What is normal? <laughs> It'll be different for you. It'll be different for me. So everyone's got their own version of normal. It's not a case of there's, there's a universal uh, you know, agreement of what normal is. Normal for some people is not normal for, for other people in any stretch. <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination, there's an awful lot of that going on as well. So, you know, and then without a vaccine, it's like, and straight away, my mind went, never hang on a minute, we were told two weeks to flatten the curve. We were told all we needed to do, and they said very, very clearly, people have forgotten as well, and that's that's the product of um, holding your amygdala hostage, is your memory is actually much harder to access. It's much harder to remember things when you're in terror because you're just functioning on the here and now and just kind of staying safe right now. You forget what you know, you forget your knowledge. So everything has been shut off. You know, the dendrites in the hippocampus, which is where your, it's your learning organ, it's how you access memories, um, is being disrupted by the high levels of cortisol and adrenaline that people are, are actually living under. So what they actually said was two weeks to flatten the curve. We are not going to reduce deaths. We're just simply going to spread it out over longer so that the hospitals don't get overwhelmed. They never said zero deaths. They never said zero COVID at the beginning. These things were brought in incrementally. And, you know, the analogy that's used and that is, is one of the best ones is boiling frogs. Yeah, it, it, you know, the, we, we do forget. And what I've noticed as well, when you're speaking to people about the whole year and a half, and they are living in that moment of what's actually going on and saying, well, look, this and that. And, and you say, well, do you not remember if they said flatten the curve? Do you not remember they weren't going to say, you know, zero COVID deaths? And you, you bring up everything that's been said over the last year. And you watch the person's eyes and you can see the terror in their eyes because at that moment they realize that they forgot all that and they feel foolish because they've been duped. That's what it is. It's, oh my God, I forgot. I forgot to say that. I forgot that. Why am I still going along with this? You know, if I realize all the stuff they've been saying to me has been bullshit. Really? Manipulation and manipulation. manipulation, I mean, we're, you know, manipulation comes in many forms, Um, but certainly the language patterns. And and one of the things that to me is really interesting is how willing people have been. But we've all fallen for it. You know, I fell for it in the beginning. You know, everyone has different stages of when they fall for it. So did I initially. Well, initially I didn't because I went, hang on, we've lived through so many pandemics. We've lived through swine flu. You know, I just said, oh, it's going to be fine. But then but then when they brought out the numbers, 
the fake numbers, the modelling. But but here's here's something that just it was just in the paper the other day that you know Ireland now has the highest population since 1850. There's five million in the country, and that in itself made me kind of go, hang on, we had this huge pandemic, and everyone's dropping off, but suddenly we have the highest numbers. And I was speaking to someone who is um, an undertaker, and they said last year was was normal, normal year for them. You know, like some of them are very them. quiet. Yeah, so so it's the control. You know, and this, you know, the yellow sign, we know that yellow is the first color, you know, that your eye picks up and you see these yellow signs everywhere. I honestly believe that the masks are just to keep it in our mind that there is still a control and fear. They've admitted it. They have admitted it in terms of if you look at the, the behavioral psychologists who are involved, especially in the UK, <clears throat> there's a lot more coming out from there. That they that they said that masks would make would give people a false sense um, of security if they didn't wear them that the pandemic was over that they wouldn't be fearful enough without the masks yeah yeah you know so uh, so wearing a mask gives you a false sense of you know I I, I was thinking today someone um, you know posted something on on, on Twitter and uh, I'm very prolific on Twitter it was kind of my lifesaver in terms of finding people who. I could go directly to scientists. I could go directly to doctors and, and hear what they were saying, not through the media. So, I, so you know, although people, you know, say Twitter is censored, and, and, and yes, there is a huge amount. Of, and this whole thing of censorship, suddenly it seems it's okay. Suddenly it's okay for a social media platform to uh, take you off, to deplatform you, to, to take a post off, to warn you, to block you, to suspend you um, for saying something that is neither... You know, you're not asking someone to kill themselves. You're not being rude. You're not being disrespectful. You're simply talking about the other side of this narrative. And people are now becoming used to censorship. They're like, oh, well, if, if Facebook have taken off. the And that, that was the thing that shocked me last year um, was that I was posting things from the British Medical Journal. Um, all these different you know, doctors were speaking out and I was being attacked on a social media platform that these doctors were, were, were all about money. That you're thinking, hang on a minute. So it's it, it's only applicable to the other side. You can only kind of condemn people for their livelihoods then. But the rest of the, you know, the mainstream media now, you know, the, the huge advertising budgets that they've been given, you know, the pharmaceutical companies that have now gone from being, you know, seriously on, on the line to now well and truly in the black, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's okay. Because somehow they're doing this for the greater, the greater good. Again, another, you know, Uh, phraseology that's very manipulative. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. You know, fact checkers only came out when people would start telling the truth on both sides, you know, and one side wanted to squash it. But if I'm walking down the street, okay, and I want to, or I'm walking in Dundrum Shopping Centre, or I'm listening to the news, or I'm listening to... Uh, the politicians, you know, on the on the TV or the radio. Don't. Just Help, don't do it. Just don't. don't do it. Yes, but, <laughs> you know, don't do it. That's true. Um, but if you but find yourself accidentally listening to something. What should I be picking up for? Yeah, so um, there's lots of things. So first of all, uh, this, these are my strategies. They're not necessarily going to work for everybody. Um, my kids roll their eyes at me. Um, but I deliberately um, look at it and I think the opposite. So I'm I'm not just allowing I'm not just walking past allowing it to just kind of enter in 
at the subliminal level. I'm actually challenging it inside my brain. So when I look at the when I look at the the, the sign, the big yellow and black signs, we tend to. It was interesting. I was in England, and when I got off the plane, um, they had blue signs, very sort of pale blue, kind of quite soft kind of colours. And I was really, it actually shocked me. I went, "Wow, that's not this vivid kind of in your face, toxic yellow, you know, the the COVID yellow that you see everywhere here." Um, and that shocked me. I was like, wow. And it was very polite. It was like, you know, we recommend that you wear a face mask. You know, it wasn't, you know, you have to, it was mandatory. And, and when you have these horrific signs up saying, you know, no mask, no service, which is actually illegal. They're actually breaking the law. They're actually, um, they're not allowed to do that. And they don't realize that they think, you know, that they, they can do this. And people kind of believe, they believe the words on the paper. It's words on a paper at the end of the day. It's a color. You know, what is it? You have to look at that and see it for what it is. It's a piece of paper with some words on it and some symbols on it. How we take that in and what we believe is then up to us. We don't have to believe this at all. You know, and I was thinking, you know, how they have the hands, face, space, uh, you know, thing, the three, the thing, in every, everything in threes, these kind of, you know, phrases in, in threes is very powerful as well. The power of three. They know this. That's why they're doing it. I will. When I think of that, I go hands, and I imagine two people shaking hands, and then face, and I imagine people smiling. And I don't say space. I say embrace, hug as much as you possibly can, hug for health. So when I look at those signs, I actually deliberately say the opposite to myself, because it's very hard not to be influenced by things. Um, when I was away for a week out of this, and I wasn't, even though I don't listen to the news because I switched off in September, once I realised that it was. Um, this was really fake, that, that, that they were not telling the truth. They were manipulating data. They were omitting to tell us things. And I had and, and this, this, you know, unwillingness to have debate, you know, healthy debate. We need a healthy debate. We need everything. Science is not a thing. Science is not decided by one person no, it's or even discussion. by consensus. Yeah. You have to yeah. actually challenge it. And, and what I've learned with science, even everything that comes out is debunked. You know, um, and there's always people looking for different different avenues or, or different theory. But on this, there was there was only one, and there was only else one. Was, there was, was nothing else. One. And so, so what I do is, so first of all, if I see the signs, I actively change it in my brain. I actually go the other way, and I smile at people when I walk around. You know, I'm very kind of you know. Uh, I want to be in a good mood. And I, I, you know, if I'm in a bad mood, it's going to attract that into me. I'm going to kind of, you know, have more challenges. And, you know, even things like the arrows makes me laugh. I'm looking, I'm going, does the virus know which way I'm walking? Does, does the virus, you know, these things are, it's all about control. So, you know, as I said, my kids roll their eyes when I do this, but I, del I deliberately go the other way. I actually go the wrong way um, where the arrows are. And it just gives me a little bit of, you know, <laughs> kind of pleasure yeah, like we, we we know they're all controls because you know as someone said they rang up their doctor and asked you know is this for his airborne and the doctor says i don't know you know but, but don't ask moving. me ask a local td yeah. yeah so what i really want to try and that's why i've asked you on is i really just want to get people just to start doing a bit of lateral thinking you can believe in something well, and not believe in it. The first thing they need to do, they need to release their meerkat. They need to rescue their meerkat themselves. Okay. That is the first thing. And how thing. do they do that? How do they do that? I have some very, very simple techniques. And I've been using these the whole time. And this is why I've managed. Maybe I'm not saying, maybe I'm actually in a lunatic asylum and I'm talking to myself here. Who really knows? <laughs> but let's just assume that I'm, uh, you know, kind of managed to keep my sanity and my, my humor as well. Um, you know, throughout this. But the way to do it is actually to bring yourself into the present moment. And you do that by just, first of all, breathing. The breath is, and that's why the masks are so insidious as well, because breath is life. 
if we reduce our oxygen supply, if we increase our CO2 levels, you know, we are doing untold damage inside our body, but also we are stopping um, our brain from operating at its maximum in terms of actually thinking and being rational. And, you know, but in order to do that, you have to be calm. You know, everyone has to, just, everyone, both sides have to just stop, just take a breath. And, and the grounding technique I use is very, very simple. And it literally takes one to two minutes every single time you think of it. So I was doing this, you know, the beginning when I, I was going in without wearing a mask, I was anxious because I live in a small place. Everyone knows me, um, you know, and I just didn't want to cause any trouble, you know, for myself or my family or my, you know, my in-laws, et cetera. So, you know, you have, you do have these thoughts. And I thought, hang on a minute. Hang on. I know I'm not, I know, I know I'm not sick. I have no symptoms. I know I'm not harming anyone else. And I also know that even if someone else was sick, my mask, this piece of cloth is not going to stop a virus. You know, we've looked at this, we've, we've seen this. So I did educate myself first to make sure that I wasn't actually causing any harm to myself or anybody else. So grounding's dead simple. You just have your feet flat on the ground. You just imagine that you've got roots like a tree actually connecting you into the earth. So we come from the earth, we go back to the earth. We, we, we live in our, our minds are very disconnected from the planet. Um, you know, we think we're, we're somewhere else, but the reality is our body is very much here. So you just want to bring yourself back into the moment. You imagine those roots actually connecting you into the earth. And then you just feel your body. You actually feel your feet. You actually just pay attention. You can't feel your body yesterday or tomorrow. You can only feel it right now. And once you start to think about your body, you just, especially your feet, which is the furthest thing from your mind, and you just imagine these roots, you then do what's called a balanced breath. And you're breathing in for a count of five or six and out for a count of five or six. And this actually directly controls the autonomic nervous system. But there is a scientific reason why breathing in this balanced way actually works. If you are holding your breath or restricting your, your in-breath sorry, if you have more of an in-breath than an out-breath, you're actually moving up the sympathetic system, which means that your uh, stress response is going to be heightened. If you are breathing out more than you're breathing in, I call it the teenage breathing. <sighs> you know, big, long, big, long sighs. You know, you know, when you're sitting and quietly with, with people and someone, you suddenly hear this big sigh, like, well, that was a big sigh. Well, you know, and you, you know that what they're doing is releasing something. So that takes you down the parasympathetic route. So the balanced breathing brings you into the middle. And that just brings you to a state of neutrality. You're just in a neutral zone. You've got your roots. And as you breathe out, you can just actually use the visualization of the roots to just release whatever stress and tension is in the body. Just let it all go. And then you, when you're breathing in, you imagine you're breathing in the energy of the earth. I'm actually feeling a whole body. There's not, there's a lot more to it, but this is just the basic. Yeah, it's grounding, and we've we've through the years of we have learned to just shallow breathe. You know, yeah. Most people only use about a third of their lungs. Um, they've actually discovered. So it's all very yeah, high so. up in the chest. It's it's up kind of in the throat and the chest. Yeah. And then what you're doing then is you're actually restricting the oxygen supply into your whole body, which is going to have an impact, you know, over time. But if you just think about thinking, we need to be calm before we can think rationally. Making a decision based on fear or anger, they're not really the best decisions you're going to make because they're very reactive. They're, they're not logical or rational. The one thing that worries me and, you know, people that are listening to this show, some people will agree with what we are saying and some people could be screaming at the radio going, this is a lot that's of okay. And that's OK. But, but, you know, I, but I would encourage people to try it before they knock it. Yeah, no, but in general of everything in a conversation, you know, um, and there will be some people then also who will be listening to this and will just have that moment of going, 
oh my God, I've just been duped. And that has happened. I've had people from who have texted me or emailed me who have said in previous shows that we've done, they're going, I've just realized that I was trapped in fear and I'm no longer and I can and I can see what, what's going on. And there will be some people who will understand it and know it, but will be in denial and will refuse to take it. And that's what really worries me and shocks me, that some people will, will subconsciously realize this and in the end, they will hold off on it. Yeah, well, again, what they've done is they very, very cleverly tapped into people's fears in, in multiple ways, different fears. Um, and I do think that one of the, you know, the question is, why is Ireland you know, so compliant? Yes. You know, we've seen that horror in looking people as well, where they've realised, but they will go along with it anyway, because they don't want to admit to themselves that they've been duped. They, they don't want to admit to themselves. And they also, you know, they, they, they like to avoid conflict. They're, they're afraid of conflict. They're afraid of being challenged. They, they're, and, and, you know, the longer this has gone on, you know, for anyone who uh, will use the term waking up. I mean, someone laughed the other day at that term. They were like, it's like walking down the street and then suddenly like, oh, oh, what's going on? And it is a little bit like that sometimes. You just, but I don't think it is like that. I think it's a, it, it starts off with a niggling doubt. It, it starts off with, hang on a minute, that that doesn't, hang on, why? So I have to walk into a restaurant with my mask on, but when I sit down, I have to take it off. So the, the, the 10 seconds it takes me or one half, 30 seconds it takes me to get to my table yeah, but look, these people then, if you if you argue that, they go, all right, everyone has to wear a mask when they're eating their dinner. That's what oh, they yeah, say. Oh, yeah, there's always a response. You know, there's always a, yeah, but but I, what I'm yeah, saying is, is the people who who kind of like, it's like it's like pulling yourself out from underneath this these these layers of fear and layers of, you know, lies, essentially, you know, and falsehoods that they've built. So it, the longer this goes on, the deeper the layers are, are going to be. And it's going to it's going to take effort and energy. It actually takes courage, really, to to question and to stand up and say, do you know what? OK, they got me. They fooled me. OK, it's humiliating. But I tell you, I promise you, anyone who's listening to this, who's feeling that niggling doubt and who's feeling humiliated, I promise you this, it passes. It will pass. You will not feel that. Yeah, there are, it, there's it, no emotion will. that will last forever. In actual fact, if they just stopped the fear propaganda right now, right now, if they just stopped everything, took all the signs away, all the masks were gone, all the public service announcements that are going on in supermarkets and everywhere else, if it was all stopped today. Nobody would know. It would just go on. Life would go on. Life would go on. Suddenly it would be back to normal before mm. you knew. So they have to keep these things because fear, fear doesn't sustain itself. You have to do something because once you sort of actually come back into your senses and actually into the reality and, and, and right here, right now, and you look around, you know, I mean, I often set, put this out just occasionally on Twitter, which is how's everyone coping with the piles of bodies, you know, around them from, from the pandemic? You know, the, the images we saw from China of people dropping down dead in the street, you know, we can look back at those now and even just see the quality of the video. It was, it was, horrific. It was horrendous. It was so obviously fake. You know, we didn't see that anywhere else. This is not how people were dying. They were not dying in the street. Look, it's a case of looking. And for me, it's about going, you know, fear or fearless. And really, it's about just, you know, getting back inside and understanding, feeling that inside and not allowing that outside affect you in such a way that'll drive you insane. And I think people just need to ground themselves, really need it's, to just ground themselves. To be themselves honest, it's the it. first thing everybody has to do to be able to get out of this. Yeah. Is to just yeah. get grounded. Ground yourself, 
Switch, switch off the TV. Absolutely. You know, we're doing a show on on the effects of digital with children. It's we're just doing some research on that, and that's shocking. You know, the digital world is everyone is buying into it and feeding to it, and it's taking them away from following what's inside. They're being, you know, manipulated, brainwashed, controlled by their screens. You know, we see it in the airports, people not reading papers. Everyone, you know, I, I walk past the school the other day and all the parents were in the cars waiting for their kids and everyone was looking down at their phones. It was like zombified. Um, I kind of went, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. And you can see it, but the more that I go and more that I look, the more that I start to see of the world itself and where we should be in our own personal life. And I believe where it's going, we need to start taking personal responsibility for our own actions. So, so we, here's an interesting thing that they've obviously done. They've looked at, at the, there's a model in NLP called um, ecology. And ecology is not about the environment. It's the study of consequences. That's what ecology actually is. Hmm. So there are four concentric circles, if you think about it. And the, and the, the innermost circle is the individual. It's the living man. It's the living woman. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's that individual uh, being. And then, so everyone is the center of the universe, their universe, not the entire universe, but their universe. Everyone is the center of that. So you are the center of your life. Then around you are your family and your friends, the people that you interact with, you know, all the time on a regular basis. And then around that, you have your community. And then beyond that, you have the environment. So what they cleverly did was they moved the focus through those layers over the last 18 months. So they started with the, with the personal fear. It was like, you know, this could kill, you know, what was the, I don't even know what the prediction was. The prediction was, was, was insane. It was like 50,000 or something like that here in Ireland. It was, it was something like that. It was kind of crazy yeah. anyway. It was ever, never going to happen because deaths were never going to just keep rising exponentially and never stop, you know. Um, and so initially people became personally afraid. And then the news was, you know, it was actually, this is older people with comorbidities, you know, anyone who's younger, especially children, that's not even affecting them. And as, as Dr. Jerry Waters said on the round table, he said, his question was, if this was a real pandemic, if this was a, a, a real virus that was, that was you know, kind of uh, new and everything, then children should be dying. And he said, oh, well, children's immune systems uh, are, are, um, are different. He's like, yeah, they're compromised. They're, they're children. When you send your child to crash into school, they come back with sore throats and runny noses and coughs. Because they've never, because their system hasn't been exposed to those viruses, and then they very quickly build up their immune system. So he said, children should have been dying at the beginning. But we learned very early on, actually, there was a, a very skewed um, death rate, and it was the average age was eighty one point six. So then, anyone under that age started to kind of go, "Well, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm I'm going to be okay. My kids are okay." So the fear at that point started to lessen. So what did they do? Then they started saying, they talked about asymptomatic transmission, that you could have this and you could be spreading it to someone as you walk past them, you know, in a, in a shop and, you know, don't touch things and all the hand sanitizing and, and, and and the social distancing. And it's like, you can, you know, act as if you have it. I mean, that's a very NLP statement, by the way, Um, act as if this is one of the techniques in NLP that you use for positives which is if you imagine, you know, if you're going to go in and say, give a presentation, which apparently is actually the number one fear is, is fear of uh, public speaking. Um, people, I heard a great one, which was uh, people would rather be in the box than giving the eulogy. <laughs> so I thought that was, you know, they'd rather be dead than actually stand up and speak, you know. 
Um, so, you know, they, what they started to do was started to implant these ideas that are not like, okay, well, you might be all right, but actually, you know, your, your parents or your grandparents, you know, kids making kids afraid of killing granny. I mean, this was deliberate. This was absolutely designed to instill the greatest fear into children that they're not, not that they're going to die, but that they're going to lose the people that they love, you know, and to force them to behave a certain way because they, they don't, again, it's invisible. And then I started to notice that it was like, well, not only could you kill your own parents or grandparents, actually you could be killing somebody else. Then you don't even know you're walking past someone and they had these horrible ads where it looked like the virus was this like, you know, uh, mist around people as you're walking and running and cycling, you're leaving this mist. It's like, well, actually we breathe out all the time. We're breathing out all the time. And I heard a great one recently, which is your mouth is actually far dirtier than the other side of your digestive system. You know, so this, this, this is, in, we, this is what, how we live. This is, we're part of the environment. We're part, you know, germs and viruses, we're part of it as part of us. And then when they started to bring in the climate crisis, I was like, aha, so now they've gone through the layers and now we're at the environment. It's like, oh, the lockdown was good for the environment. You know, they had to reach, they actually removed that tweet, the, the World Economic Forum, where they talked about, oh, the, the lockdown was good for the environment. It's like, okay, so it was good for the environment, but people were committing suicide, businesses were crashed, education was halted, um, families were, you know, there was more homicides, uh, domestic homicides had risen through the roof. You know, people literally killing each other, but that's okay as long as the dolphins, you know, can swim in in the canals in Venice again. We're good. We're good to go. That's we're all right. To go on yeah. So you know, it's like this this complete manipulate, but it's taking people through these layers, and people have to come back to themselves. Exactly. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. You've got to take responsibility for yourself. Look after your health, after education, after your mental well being. No one else is going to do it for you. I've learned that there's two rules in this whole game. If it's a game, a reality or whatever, it is it's, a game. it's, you know, they have to tell you what's going on um, and they have, and then they've dumped other stuff on it. And because we've been in fear, we forgot what they've said and we've just been focusing on the one narrative. And the second thing is they need your consent. They can only build the systems and you have to consent and they will manipulate, control, trick, whatever, to get your consent, but you have to give consent. Yeah, if we all just said no, I mean, this is what people, they, they know how powerful we are. And what they're afraid of is that we all find out how powerful we actually are. Look, the majority, you know, will will buy into it. That's and slowly but surely, maybe over over time. But look at the, going back, look at the minority tribunals when they found out all the corruption and everything was done then. And everyone went, oh my God, and nothing was ever done. So it's, yeah. you know... I, I, I just want to sort of talk about, you know, culture and island because, you know, what they've done is they have looked at each society, each country, and they have tapped into the cultural aspects of it. And I think that unfortunately, and, and I'm not, obviously you can tell from my accent, I'm not from here, but I've lived here for 18 years and I've, I've worked across many sectors and met hundreds and hundreds of people while I've, while I've been here. Um, and what I've noticed is a couple of things. One is that you know, there is very much the attitude of, oh, no, what will the neighbours think and what will other people think? So that is a genuine fear within, yeah, you know, the uh, Irish culture. You know, it's very kind head. of, it's yeah, kind of yeah. you know, kind of beaten into people from a very young age. And, and you know, it's all about keeping a head below the parapet. And maybe this goes back to the, to the, you know, being occupied for 800 years by the British. And if you put your head above the parapet, you know, you, you were killed. So everything always comes back to safety, like, you know, risk of death. And people kind of forget that because then you don't, you don't challenge it. Um, and the other one is that there's kind of an acceptance of corruption. 
that it's, oh, well, that's just the way it is. That, oh, of course, you know, when Golfgate broke last year, I was like, yes, it's going to be finally, people are going to wake up and see that this is a hoax. And in terms of the pandemic, I don't mean people dying, but then we don't know, you know, the people who were in the nursing homes and the hospitals who died, we don't know what they really died from. And now we're seeing, you know, all of this um, state-sanctioned euthanasia, essentially, that happened, that they, they could have been saved, that they were, you know, they were not treated for, for whatever they had. And the reaction, I was so, I suppose afterwards, I was like, why am I shocked? You know, this is Ireland. However, the reaction instead of this, oh, well, obviously these 80 people would never have attended a big do in, in, in for the weekend if there was a real deadly virus flying around. And that was would have been enough to wake up another, a lot of people. But no, instead, what they said was, how dare they when we've done all of this hard work, hard work, what's sitting at home watching Netflix? Yeah, great. You know, well done. Um, you know, that we've done all this hard work and that, and they've just gone along and just, you know, they're, they're, they've dismissed all of this and they've kind of, you know, thrown it all away. And so they saw it instead of being, but then, and then nothing happened. You know, I think stuff maybe sort of, it was all hidden and then eventually, yeah, you know, it's, it's this, yeah, but it's but, almost an acceptance of, oh, well, of course they're going to be acting in a corrupt manner. I think you've got it there. I think you said it, that there is an acceptance of corruption because, what people don't understand while all the COVID was being done and all this, you know, the lockdown, the government have been selling off all our natural resources, you know, our seas, all our buildings to vulture funds, everything who 95 percent. Well, they are going for the 2030, you know, you owe nothing. Well, and it's happy, 90, uh, you know, 95 percent of the foreign investment now coming into the property here is CCP China. You know, and people and, are not, and because it's not, and 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 that's what's controlling the media. So people, it's yeah, it's so China basically. If you did a little bit of China digging, own, if you did China a little bit of digging, Ireland now, and the government, yeah. their government, have sold it all for greed, greed, and thrown sweetened sweetener was a couple of passports as well. But yeah, we consent us, we consent us. That's that's the scary thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people just say, I just want to get my head down and just get through this and we'll just get back to normal. And what they what annoys me, uh, you know, probably more than anything are the people, as you were saying, who are actually awake, who do know something untoward is going on, but don't have the courage to, to raise their head and to speak out and to actually say no. And, and, and especially now that they're coming after the children, you know, with, with this injection. That, to me, you know, you would have heard a lot of people, but they slowly convinced everybody that this is what was necessary to get freedom back. And you're going, how is continuously acqui acquiescing to relinquish your freedom, giving you your freedom back? The more they take away, the, then less they're going to give back. And this this very kind of convoluted kind of thinking is that you know black is white day is night good is bad everything is is completely upside down and people have lost the ability to to think rationally and to just question but it takes courage and courage is not the absence of fear it's it's not it's actually taking action in the face of fear and and but i always say this you know think do the do the 85 year old rocking chair exercise and the 85-year-old rocking chair exercise is this. So imagine you just simply don't do anything differently from this moment forward in your life. You just behave exactly the way you've been behaving the whole time and you manage to live to the grand old age of 85. And you look back at your life from that 85-year-old's perspective and you look back at this moment and you did nothing. You didn't speak up. You allowed yourself to be injected. You allowed your children 
to be given adult doses of an experimental gene therapy with zero safety, uh, long-term safety studies or even medium safety studies. You allowed them to do this when they have no risk from this virus whatsoever. And you look back on this moment and you have to ask yourself this question. What are you thinking about yourself as you look at your, your 85-year-old self looking at yourself now? What, what, are you, what would you be thinking? What would you be feeling? Because by then it's too late. And what would your 85-year-old self actually want to say to you? But that's the thing. It, it, the people will not care because there is a culture in this country to kick. I don't, I know, I'm no, going to have to agree with you, Joe. It, I, I know, let, no, let I've me, done, let, I've done this me, technique with many people let, and, and it really does wake no, them it up. Does, but, but, but there is a culture in this country where, you know, individually go, oh my God, yes, I agree what you're saying. And they'll go, oh, but they mightn't actually go to do it because there's a culture in this country that everything is kicked down the road. Our politicians do whatever now and they don't give a sugar for what happens in long term, 20 years down the road, someone else will look after it. And that's what's happened for the last couple of decades. But I think it's because people don't take the perspective. Of, they don't. Look, they, they, and, and so this, these exercises are all designed. NLP, actually, ultimately, what NLP is all about is changing perspectives. Look, we, we've run out of time. But what I want to say to people is courage and truth. That's all they need to know. Like I'm I've truly believe that if you find the courage and speak your truth, not someone else's truth, you know, stop listening to everything out there and believing everything out there and go within and find your own truth and your own courage on it. That's what I believe on it. Tell me this quickly. Where can people log on? Where, what's your website? I know you have a free course. But where can people log on to you and find all the information? Yeah, so they can find me. So my my main website is quantumleaps.ie. And that's Q-U-A-N-T-U-M-L-E-A-P-S.ie. And um, people can email me. It's Sarah at quantumleaps.ie. I'm on Twitter and it's Sarah Habubi1 is my handle. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll uh, you know, I don't think there's any other Sarah Haboobies out there. there. I could be wrong, but, uh, but uh, you know, we, we can see. And LinkedIn. Um, I... LinkedIn. Sorry, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I, I. So yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, really. I've got, I've got uh, different websites and different things that I do, but that, that would be the main one. Um, and what I am, what I would like to offer to people, really, is um, a very short course on how to flatten the fear, and it, and it will be completely free. So that, that will be coming up. So people need to just keep an eye on my website for, uh, or you know, send me an email, and I'll put them on a, a mailing list. And it's, it's very easy. And, and I have been doing this for the last 18 months with people. So I know it works and, and I used it myself. Um, and it is about taking back control. But once you do that, you have to be prepared to take responsibility for yourself. And, you know, if people are not prepared to do that, then that, that's it. That is actually their responsibility too. Tara, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Joe. And remember, here at Dublin South FM, we're interviewing plenty of people around the world conscious leaders and that's why we have the conscious business podcast which is part of the conscious business academy offering purpose profit and prosperity in your life through soulful selling mindful marketing conscious leadership and creative culture you want to reach out to me it's joe you have an awesome week and take care and look after yourself